0: Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week we're going to be learning Mesaches Yevamos, Daf, Kuf, Hey, And we're going to be analyzing the Mitzvah of Chalitza, how to go about fulfilling the Mitzvah of Chalitza, what the Mitzvah of Chalitza uh, is, uh, is all about, and uh, really trying to understand the different components uh, of the Mitzvah of Chalitza, the Rekika, the Amira, the saying of the Psukim, the spitting, and ultimately the Chalitza Hanal the removal of the shoe, which of these things are essential, and which of these uh, are secondary in the process of uh, fulfilling a chalitza. And the Gemara goes on as, uh, as the Gemara tries to understand some of these details to discuss a few... Uh, statements in Agada that really are uh, wonderful statements in the world of Hilchos a uh, discussion about the, uh, the sin of Eili and uh, how we can go ahead and how we can be Mechaper for this particular sin. So the Gemara begins discussing a Vama who performed only Rikika and the Mishnah says that she must continue and go ahead and perform the full Chalitza which implies that through Rikika just through spitting, she's going to be disqualified from Yibum, she's taken herself out of the Parsha of Yibum. And we know that according to Rabbi Akiva, who's of the opinion that Rikika is not an essential part of the Chalitza, you can't say that spitting is going to alone go ahead and sever the Zika, that there's still going to be a Zika that's going to exist. And uh, according to Rabbi Akiva, so the spitting uh, is uh, is essential. The sp- the spitting is, uh, is fundamental, but the spitting is not uh, not uh, not uh, not going to do the entire trick. And the Gemara then brings a brasa that describes that if she goes that and she does the to sanal, she removes the shoe but doesn't spit. Or do the kriya? The dachalitza is going to nonetheless uh, be valid in such a situation. And if she spat, but didn't remove the shoe or say the psukim, so there's no possibility that the Khalitza took place, and the yibum is still possible. There's still potential to fulfill yibum. The yibum can still happen. The gemara then tries to identify who was the author of the b'risa and tries to discuss the differences between uh, whether or not one of these essential ingredients is going to be lacking in the chalitza and uh, what it's going to mean uh, lamaisa in terms of if a person doesn't fulfill the spitting, the removal of the shoe, the recitation of the psukim and uh, what would be in such a situation. And the Gemara concludes that Rabbi Akiva is the author of our b'risa and then tries to understand some of the details of what Rikika and Kriya do uh, vis-à-vis the full chalitza being completed. The Ramam points out that rakika uh, is like we said before. It's uh, it's 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 necessary, um, but uh, it's a it's a necessary component of the chalitza. And if the rakika isn't done, nonetheless, the chalitza is still going to be okay. The chalitza is still going to work. And the Gemara goes on to continue to describe the details of the rakika and uh, in terms of the grander yibum. So the Gemara concludes that uh, in order, in terms of the order, uh, the rakika and the chalitza are going to take place. That. Uh, the Rekika has to be done before the Chalitza. The Chalitza is going to be effective, um, and uh, and uh, basically, uh, there's a sheet of the Chachamim that the Pasuk comes along and the Pasuk uses the word Kacha. The word Kacha implies that there's a specific, uh, a specific order in which these things have to take place. Um, but the Gemara concludes, and the Rishonim point out, that even though the Pasuk points out that kacha that, ya'aseh, that, that, the Gemara, the Pasuk says, nonetheless, it doesn't have to be necessarily done in the proper, uh, in the proper order. So the Gemara then goes on and tells a story about Levi. And the Gemara says that we have a uh, rabbinic Prabha that was taking place over here. And Levi went to uh, one of the Kfarim and they asked him all sorts of questions. The first question, and really the first of three questions, was a question about an amputee. Can an amputee perform chalitza by removing the oven's shoe with her teeth? That was question number one. Then we had question number two. What about a Yevama who goes ahead and spits blood? Is that going to be a successful and a efficient rikika? And number three was a question based on, uh, based on a, uh, a, a, a pasuk from Daniel, whether or not Hashem is a completely truthful and emestic God. And Levy seemed to not have an answer for these questions. It happens to me that the Anyakov uh, discusses this in a much lengthier and a much more verbose uh, edition. And uh, basically, in the Anyakov, it says that they put up Levy on a pedestal. That when Levy walked into the base medrash for the Prabha, they put him up on a, on a, on a stage or they put him somewhere that uh, they would ask him all these questions and the gemara explains that he didn't know the answer uh, sorry the inyakov explains that perhaps he didn't know the answers to these questions because his learning of torah was with an element of arrogance with an element of uh, of haughtiness and uh, when a person has arrogance involved in their limud torah so there's something lacking there's an essential aspect of the limud torah uh, that is uh, that's not able to uh, that's not able to take effect they're not going to be able to uh, to accomplish all that they seek out uh, all that they seek out to accomplish. It happens to be that in the third question, the question of Kadosh Baruch Hu being truthful, the pasuk of Daniel. So um, the Gemara presents uh, an answer to this question as to whether or not the uh, as to whether or not everything uh, everything here was truthful, and whether or not Hashem is a truthful uh, a truthful God. And um, and uh, the Gemara goes on to uh, to explain the midos of Emes in the uh, in the realm of our relationship with uh, with Hashem. So the Gemara says. That there was a decree based on a pasuk that went out against Eli and his progeny, and what happened, and how to receive kapara for this uh, for this sin of Eli. And the Gemara says that the way that a person can receive uh, atonement for a sin that they commit is either through Torah or through Chesed. Both of these things, both Torah and Chesed, are referred to as ms, and with tapping into this ms, a person can receive. Uh, kapara, a person can receive atonement. So the question that becomes, the Chafetz Chaim discusses this in Chafetz Chaim uh, Ahavas Chesed. And the question is, why does Chesed atone for such big sins? So the Chafetz Chaim explains that, uh, that both Chesed and Torah have so much in common, both on a level of Bin Adam al and, and on a level of Bin Adam and uh, and therefore, when we're uh, doing our best in the realm of Adam So the uh, the M's and the Chesed, the Torah, rather, and the Chesed are both able to shape and to mold the person and the way a person the way a person thinks. So the Gemara goes on, and the Gemara tells us about a family in Urshalayim and this family in Urshalayim uh, unfortunately had uh, children die when they were eighteen years old. They came to Rabbi Yochum and Zakkai, and they told him about this, and they told him about their challenge, and uh, and he said, maybe you're from the progeny of Eli. Maybe you're of a, of a, of a people that, uh, that, uh, that's, that's lacking. So he says, go learn Torah, and everything is going to be okay. So sure enough, they went, they learned Torah, they established this uh, relationship with the MS of Torah. They did that, and they were nicknamed the Yochanan family as a result of uh, asking Rabbi Yohanan this of uh, this, this advice. The Gemara then goes on to talk about gzardin uh, against the Tzibor, and this is a very famous Gemara that uh, finds itself in the discussion of, about the asar simay tshuva and the role of a Tzibor, the role of a yachid, the role of a congregation, and the role of an individual terms of uh, receiving a, a, a kapara during the asar simay tshuva. The Gemara says that when there, there's a Czar din against the Tzibor, and uh, and uh, we have to go ahead and we have to. Uh, and we have to uh, annul that gzardin. So there's a famous limud that describes to us that a yachid during Aser Simei Tshuva is equal to its tzibor throughout the year. And we have tremendous, each person has tremendous ability, kochos, and potential to... Um, to uh, to go ahead during asar Yom tear up a decree, but it also emphasizes the everyday potential and capabilities that uh, that a person has when a person goes ahead and davens. The Gemara says that the period of Aseres Yom uh, uh a yachid, an individual, takes on such incredible power that they're basically equal to a uh, basically equal to a so The Gemara then goes back to the discussion uh, of chalitza and the role that blood would play in the the the, the chalitza. There's a fascinating discussion over here uh, in terms of. Uh, in terms of lumdus with regards to uh, the role that bittol uh, is going to play when the spit and when the blood come together, and the Mordechai, one of the in the Mordechai points out that when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to the world of bittol, and when we can. Uh, apply this concept of bitul when we can uh, uh, present this nullification of something in halacha. So there need to be two components. So component number one says uh, says the Mordechai is that it has to be uh, the, the the item that you're trying to be mivatel can't be nicker. It can't be recognizable. That once something is recognizable so it loses its potential to become bittel. And the second thing is that bittel doesn't take place when something was created, in a mixture. When two things started separately, then we can apply the concept of bittel. But if they started individually, like the spit and the blood, then uh, then we can't. And the Gemara goes on to discuss uh, all other uh, uh, ideas about a katan and a chiresh, these types of uh, these people that go ahead and can can uh, can uh, can put into place the uh, can put into place the uh, the yibum and the chalitza actually uh, actually happening on the back of daf kufayam and bays. So the gemara has a discussion about hilchos Tefillah. We have a statement that's made either by Rabbi Chia or Rebbe. They were sitting together at a table, and the statement was that a person who davens must place their eyes downward, which likely means towards Eretz Yisrael, towards the ground, and. Um, the the most simple understanding is that we generally assume, and uh, there are those, we'll speak about it in a second, the Maharshal, there are those that mock People that pray with their eyes directed to the heavens, obviously our hearts should be directed to the heavens. But we don't necessarily have to look up with our eyes and look up to uh, look up to Shemayim. So what uh, what basically Rashi explains on Kufay Ahmad is that looking down is looking at Eretz Yisrael because that's where there is the most hashras hashchina. So when we look down, it could be a geographical looking, it could be a physical looking, but we're looking down at Eretz Yisrael and uh, we're trying to uh, to daven to uh, the place that the, sh- the Shechina is going to be Shorah. There's uh, incredible Torah here uh, about Eretz Yisrael and making Aliyah, moving to Eretz Yisrael and in the Hakdama of the sitter of, the, uh, of Rav Yaakov Emdin. So he quotes this Gemara and he explains that uh, you can rely on the Halacha facing Eretz Yisrael when you can't get there because of some sort of Ones, some sort of Sakana, but a taina. Uh, of Ones uh, of, of onus doesn't work if you have the ability to get to Eretz Yisrael. If you can go ahead and you can it in the palace of the king so certainly you would have a kiev to go ahead and to do so. And uh, Rav Yaakov Endin in his sitter points out that there's so much that, uh, that we have to keep in mind in terms of where we're facing our eyes, where we're facing our hearts when we, uh, when we step up and when we daven. Rabbeinu Yonah in Brachos describes that the leave of a person should be directed upwards in tefillah and our eyes downward. And we should imagine, have this image in front of our head that we are standing in front of the base HaMikdash and uh, that our tefillos as a result of this imagery that we're creating for ourselves, will uh, be stronger and ultimately will be uh, misratza, will be accepted by Hashem. It's interesting because the Gemara and Brachos and Daf Lamid uh, presents, um, based on the Mishnah on Daf Chav Chesam that when a person daven, so our heart should be towards Eretz Yisrael and... Uh, person's eyes don't necessarily need to be towards Eretz Yisrael, which is the question that the Maharsha poses on that Gemara, and uh, what basically comes out is that we should certainly uh, go ahead and be mechaving our hearts uh, to Avinu uh, Shabbat to, uh, but potentially be mechaving our eyes to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. It happens to be that the Beis Yosef in Simon Sadi hey in Hilchos Tefillah, discusses this halacha and says that the proper position, to davenin, is with the person's eyes down and with the person's up. And in the Beis Yosef, he quotes the sheet the approach of the Mahari Abuhav from uh, one of the great Kabbalists of Tzvat. And the Mahari Abuhav says that if your eyes are down, then what's the point of the halacha that we know of that a person has to have windows uh, in a shul? Why do we need windows? What's the goal of the windows in the shul if we're supposed to be looking down, if our eyes are supposed to be uh, facing, uh, facing, uh, facing the ground? And the Mahari Abu Hav answers, and he says that there is a balance, that we have to pick our eyes up to look outside and see what's going on outside and around us. And uh, we have to make sure that we're both including the, uh, what's, what's, what's beneath us, what's within us, as well as that which is external to us in our tefillos, uh, in the things that we, are davening, uh, that we are davening for, that we are davening about. And the Maharshal and the Yamshel Shlomo and the Mishnabruah all have these discussions about what it means to look down, to look straight, to look up. And the Marshall, like I said before, so the Marshall actually mocked people that only looked down, uh, that only looked up rather, and said that this is uh, we we think that that's the natural way of prayer. But he says that that's not necessarily so. And the Mishabura says that. Uh, specifically in the realm of davening. A person shouldn't do what he refers to as a tnu'a Mishuna, some sort of motion, a weird motion that's going to distract people, and specifically says over here that a person should daven with a sitter to make sure that our davening can be uh, focused, to make sure we know what we're saying, to make sure that we are davening in the most appropriate uh, fashion with the best kavana we possibly uh, we possibly could. So the Gemara goes on to discuss the Sheet of Rabiosi, who holds that a Katan Yevama, can perform a chalitza, a, a katan with a zika. can perform a chalitza, and continues the discussion regarding whether or not a katan yavama, um can go ahead and do uh, all of these other aspects. And ends off with how many judges a chalitza has to be done uh, in front of? Two judges, three judges, five judges. How many people need to witness and uh, put the chalitza into place? And ultimately, the uh, the poskim discuss uh, whether or not the chalitza of a katana is going to be valid. Are we able to? Uh, are we able to uh, to use the uh, and, and and accept the chalitza of a katana? And in Evan HaEzer, the Shulchan Aruch describes in uh Kuf Samach Tes Mem Gimel, that if a katana does chalitza, then the chalitza is going to be puzzled, That it's unlike chalitza of a katan, which uh, the chalitza of a katan is, uh, is totally void and does not forbid uh, yibum, and um, it's, it's as if it's nothing. It's like a mysa, it's like a, a, a mice that never happened. It's a zero, it doesn't even get off the ground. And the Ramah says that should she have done this, so when she matures and when she gets to a level of Uh, of Godless, so she's going to have to go ahead and uh, redo chalitza uh, do chalitza with one of the brothers she's not going to have to do what we refer to as chizor, she's not going to have to go to all of the brothers and do chalitza again, but if a katana happened to have done chalitza uh, at this stage of her life, she's going to have to go ahead she's going to have to um, uh, do chalitza uh, again to one of the brothers, therefore severing the zika, so Davkuf, hey, is uh, laden with, uh, with, uh, with discussion regarding uh, of all of these uh, individuals of a katan of a uh, of a uh, of a cheresh of an Elaim, of a, of a lot of different people and um, and uh, we have a lot of hilkos tefila a lot of machshava a lot of beautiful discussion over here on daf. Kufhei uh, in Yevamos, beautiful discussion about Eretz Yisrael. The idea of Rav Yaakov Emden that uh, that, uh, that basically we can uh, we can focus towards Eretz Yisrael, but that's only if we can't be there. And if we have the opportunity to be there, then most certainly we should uh, we should make our way and daven in the palace of the king. And some beautiful uh, ideas regarding davening, our focus, our heart, our mind, the kavana that we uh, that we have the things that we, uh, that we think about when we daven and the focus that we're supposed to have when interacting with Avinu Shabbat And that rounds up Sechasevamos, daf kufhei.